Morning Prayer, Rite 2, found on page 76. Let us begin this worship service in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Rend your hearts, and not your garments. Return to the Lord, your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and repents of evil. Let us confess our sins in unison. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, to set forth his praise, to hear his holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation, and so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship him, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins that we may obtain forgiveness by his infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Lord, open our lips, and our mouths shall show forth thy praise. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He revives my soul and guides me along right pathways for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You spread a table before me in the presence of those who trouble me. You have anointed my head with oil, and my cup is running over. Surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from the first book of Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, 
Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Once, you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Sleeper, awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John 9, 1 to 41. 
Glory to you, Lord Christ. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me, while it is day and night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, go wash in the pool of Shalom, which means sent. Then he went and washed and came back, able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, it is he. Others were saying, no, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Shalom and wash. Then I went and washed, received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. 
Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born entirely into sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you say, we see your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Christ. The story in John's Gospel 9 to 41 verses is just straight and simple. There is no much confusion or many twists. But let me begin so that you can follow the rest of the um, story well. Jesus is going with his disciples. As he's walking along, they see a person who's born blind. So they ask Jesus, why is he born blind, whether he has sinned or his parents? And Jesus says, he is born blind so that the works of the God may be glorified, may be revealed. And then Jesus spits on the ground and with his saliva he makes mud and then he smears it on the eyes of that blind man, telling him, go to the pool of Shalom and wash. So the story is only this much, because he goes washes his eyes and he gets the vision. He can see and he's no longer blind. So from this, the story actually begins because after this, when this blind person who's healed, who got the vision, who can see now, enters into his community, enters into the society, maybe the first point I would say as, it gives us an opportunity now to see the vision of the society, the vision of the society. 
he gets into the society, I really urge you that you have to really um, read this lesson to follow uh, how people react because I'm really surprised when somebody is healed and they're in the, when they come to the society, this is how a society reacts. I was really surprised because they're not believing that he got the sight. Some people are arguing, is he the same man? Or maybe somebody looks like him? Or if he is the same man, how did he get the vision? How is he able to see? Is it really possible? Because these are the people, when this man was blind, they would have made him to cross the road. Or maybe they would have taken him to the worship. Or maybe they would have gone out together. So the people know him very well. But after he got this sight, after this healing has happened, they're refusing to see him beyond his disability. That's the saddest part here. They're refusing to go and see beyond his disability because the thing they're defining here is this man is blind and there's no way that he can get vision. Even if he gets vision, how did he get it? So only those questions they're just following up rather than embracing him, rather than inviting him and rejoicing him because this man was blind, now he has the vision. He can see people rejoice and enjoy. Many a times we have this disability thinking that other people are differently, differently abled or they have some disability or some infirmities, but it is we who are just clouded with that kind of things. So once we get used to that kind of seeing somebody with some faults, when they're okay, when they're into whole being, we refuse to see beyond or go beyond. So this is the vision of the society I, I get to see while I was reading this text. And immediately, they just like can't believe it and they just take him to the Pharisees. The community, the society there is taking him to the Pharisees, the religious authorities. And they ask him, when the neighbors ask him, he says, again, he narrates the whole story, how he was healed, and he says, I believe that Jesus was a prophet. So they take him to the religious authorities, and then they refuse to listen to the story of this blind man because they wanted to control the narrative. The religious authorities always wanted to have the authority on the ec ecclesiology. They think they have the privilege of controlling grace or controlling the sin Controlling the sin and dispensing grace is, is in their hands is what the religious people think. Like in the first century, how we see how people very uh, powerfully play out with this um, grace and forgiveness of sins. So they're refusing to believe in him and they say, how can somebody heal on a Sabbath day? Because Sabbath day is designated that you have to be sanctified, you have to be pure, you shouldn't be doing anything. How can somebody heal a person on a Sabbath day 
which means he is a sinner. So they come to an extent of saying that Jesus Christ is a sinner. So they wouldn't stop just there. So we've moved from the neighbors to the Pharisees, and again they go to the parents. They say, hey, come, see, is this your son? They just wanted to clarify. They wanted to listen from their parents. So they say, yeah, he's our son. Okay, so he's blind now, how he's able to see? Then they say, we know that he's our son, but we do not know how he's able to see now. Ask him. He can answer that question. He's not a small kid anymore. So they ask him, and again he has to repeat the same story. Then they say, what do you say? Because the way you are telling makes us feel that he is the Messiah, but he is not the Messiah because the one who heals, does these kind of things, can be only a sinner, but cannot be a Messiah. So when they repeatedly ask that question, even parents are refusing to embrace their own son. They have to rejoice because he was born blind, but now he's able to see his parents. But still, their parents didn't want to sacrifice their home or their work or their community all their, or their religious standards, or maybe they'll be driven out of synagogue. So they don't want to lose anything over this boy. So they say, just ask him. So we just see the vision of the society, how it is progressing, how it is just degenerating, starting from the neighbors. They isolate him. They refuse to take him. Then we move to the Pharisees, the religious authorities. Even they refuse. And then we move to the parents. And even they isolate. They say, like, we can't answer that. It is for him to answer who healed him and how we got the vision or sight. So again, the Jews ask him, like, now tell us, like, what exactly happened? So he really says, how many times you want me to repeat the story? How many times? All that I know is, I was blind, now I see. I was blind, now I see. Do you want to be his disciples? Is the question this man asked the Jews. They say, no, we are disciples of Moses because God spoke to Moses. So we believe in Moses and we are disciples of Moses, not of this man or whomever you call as Christ and he is a sinner. So what amazes me here is we have seen the vision of the society, how they're just isolating, refusing to take him in. But here we see the vision of this man, vision of self, he never moved from his stance. He never moved from his belief. People were threatening him, but still he was so strong in faith. He just believed in Jesus. He just said, I know he gave me sight. He is Christ. He is Messiah. He is a prophet. He is, he is and one more verse, which, is, which I really like, it says, it's, isn't it just astonishing? We do not know where he came from. You know, okay, Moses is there. God spoke to Moses. I don't know where he came, but all I know is he gave me sight. He gave me eyes to see. 
That is all matters, nothing more than that. I don't want to know his whereabouts, where he came from, what, is, what uh, he is, like his background check, nothing. What matters is I was blind and now I can see. So in this context of everybody deserting him, kind of leaving him, the, his own parents, forget about neighbors or um, the Pharisees or the Jews, everybody are just leaving there, like at the point, at the verge of driving him out, but still he just stick to the guns. He never budged, he never moved. He said, yes, Jesus, he saved me. He gave me the sight, now I'm able to see. So he, they drove him out and Jesus finds him. It is like saying, if you are in the water, I mean, if a fish is in the water, it can survive, it can breathe, it can swim. But if the fish is out of the water, it dies, it suffocates. That is what is happening this, to this man. He's in the society, his family, his parents, but they just threw him out. But there we find Jesus coming and asking him, do you believe? in Jesus, or do you believe in son of man? He says, who is he? Then he says, I am he, like how we said to the Samaritan woman, how we said to Nicodemus, I am he. And then he says, yes, sir, I believe, I believe. So the vision of Jesus or the vision of savior, it is to save people who are isolated, who are outcast, who are thrown out of the society. And Jesus says, interestingly here, I've come to give judgment on people, not those who are born blind, but those who think they see. So we hear the last verse saying, some of the Pharisees, they hear that and say, we are not blind, we see. But what's the point? You see, but you're not standing for the people. But those who are blind are seeing the truth, believing in Jesus Christ. The one assurance this man who was healed has is, I know. The second personal assurance he had was, I know. And the third simple personal assurance he had was, now I know. Then when he was healed, he was thinking, I know, I know, because he's going to, uh, he's going to his people, they're going to just um, embrace him, like, no, uh, treat him so well, so nice, but nothing happened. He was just at that point of, I know, I know. But when it comes to Jesus, when Jesus comes, and saves him and makes him believe that whom he's talking to and he's always there with him for him, he says, now I know. That's the transformation. I don't care about the transformation, what's happened in the society because they, were, they had eyes but still they did not see. This man was blind but he still was able to see the truth. So that is what the change we see here and he says, now I know. There is a, it, it's not a story, but a physician who went as a missionary to India uh, was placed in a region, in a place where there was this progressive blindness. 
It's not that they were born blind, but because of different ailments, because of diabetes or any other hypertensions or glycoma. So there are many things that make you like, you no, know, little blurry, little blind. So he began operating on those people. He did surgeries on them and gave complete healing. So they were so thankful. And you know, the word thank you is a very small word sometimes when people save you, you know. Uh, from that uh, risk or from the, some kind of threatening disease or, or something you're really going to lose but somebody saves your life. That too, somebody giving you the vision that you're losing. So, you know, the blind world is just dark sometimes. You, you, it's, it's like over for most of the people. So, so they say to him, we don't want to say thank you because it's such a small word but then wherever we go, we will tell your name. Because of you, we got this sight. Because of you, we have the vision. Because of you, we can see now. Maybe that's the testimony of this blind man who was healed. Wherever he went, whatever threatenings he faced, people just left him, abandoned him, forsaken. Things happened drastically from his own people, but still, the name of Jesus never died in his mouth or in his heart because he has seen what he has seen. May God bless these words, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We continue now with the Apostles' Creed, found on page 96 of the Book of Common Prayer. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for those who are celebrating their birthdays. Page 831. Watch over your child, O Lord, as their days increase. Bless and guide them wherever they may be. Strengthen them when they stand. Comfort them when discouraged or sorrowful. Raise them up if they fall. And in their heart, may your peace, which passeth understanding, abide all the days of their life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We don't have uh, many announcements, uh, but just that we would continue with the online services. And um, as we all know, like last Sunday, Hundreds of pastors have, for the first time, uh, launched their um, 
Facebook uh, live streaming and online services and we St. Stephen's are just one step ahead because we already do this uh, live streaming uh, uh, services. And um, secondly, like we've seen like how we are shutting down and some places just shuttered and joining uh, globally uh, in social distancing. I just want to tell like social distancing is not like spiritual distancing. We can still stay connected. So I urge all of you that you have real good potential in your hands that where we can pray. Our hands have the hope, the care and the love. So grab a phone, just call your friend or do a video live uh, chat or just prepare a meal or pray for people like health workers uh, and those who are affected with this uh, coronavirus or those who are at the risk of contracting this disease and those who are dying. So the many ways we can um, differently um, engage ourselves uh, and um, be active because church is not just a building, but every Sunday when we come here, we are commissioned to go out into the world to, and to do the mission. Perhaps this is the time as we stay together as a family that we spend more time in prayers in caring for one another virtually and then uh, reaching out to people who are um, lonely, isolated, and who are living in fear. Um, we are living in times like it is just challenging and changing times. We just have to navigate to learn uh, to this uh, changing times, to learn to do things differently, I would say. So yeah, stay connected, stay strong, and hold on to good, and we are all together in this. We continue with the Lord's Prayer, found on page 97. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Gracious God, the comfort of all who suffer, the strength of all who suffer, let me cry of those who grieve, let the cry of those who grieve come to you, that they may find your mercy present with them in all their afflictions. And give us, we pray, the strength to serve them for the sake of him who suffered for us, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us also pray for a swift end to COVID-19. For those infected and or those who have been exposed, grant them strength, healing, and protection. For their loved ones and caretakers, Grant them peace, comfort, and endurance. 
for those leading nations. Grant them sound minds, courage, and humility. For physicians, nurses, technicians, researchers, administrators, and all other healthcare employees around the world. Grant them strength by your life-giving spirit, wisdom, and resources to do the work before them. For those who must work despite the threat of sickness, grant them protection and continued provision. For those who have become unemployed or underemployed during this pandemic, grant them comfort, wisdom, and financial provision. For churches and their clergy, grant them discernment and creativity to lead and minister in unprecedented circumstances. For parents and families, grant them wisdom, patience, and joy. For children, grant them protection from fear. For those whom home is not a safe haven, grant them refuge. For those who are alone, grant them a sense of your nearness and love. For all navigating decisions during this time of uncertainty and fear, grant them your peace. And for all the prayers we cannot voice because our language is insufficient or our ignorance too great, Lord, hear our prayer. Amen. Gracious Father, whose blessed Son Jesus Christ came down from heaven to be the true bread and true bread which gives life to the world, evermore give us this bread that he may live in us and we in him, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us say the prayer of thanksgiving together found on page 101. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts, we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Let us receive the blessing. Do not be anxious about anything, 
but in everything, through prayers and supplications and thanksgiving, make your request known to God. May the peace of God that passeth all human understanding protect your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.